You've tuned in to TV You Grew Up With, where we interview the people who created the greatest TV shows ever made. Here's your host, Jim Harold. Welcome to TV You Grew Up With. I am Jim Harold, and I am so glad to be with you once again. And I'm very excited because we have two gentlemen on the line who are going to tell the story of an American icon. And that American icon is one Eddie Haskell. You might remember him if you're of a certain age like me and older, or even many younger people. Young people love the show as well. Eddie Haskell of Leave It to Beaver. And we have Eddie Haskell himself on the line in a matter of speaking. We have Mr. Ken Osmond. He is the actor who portrayed Eddie Haskell in the original Leave It to Beaver for several years in the 50s and early 60s, and then came back with other subsequent projects uh, where Eddie made a return, including the new Leave It to Beaver. Uh, Ken and his co-author, Christopher J. Lynch, who is also on the line, have uh, written a book. It's called Eddie, The Life and Times of America's Preeminent Bad Boy. And uh, just want to say a word about Christopher before we get going. Now, Ken uh, went on to act in other projects after Leave it to Beaver, but uh, settled into a a long-time law enforcement career, including some harrowing experiences I'm sure we'll talk about today. And Christopher is a Southern California native and a freelance lighter living in L.A. His debut novel, One-Eyed Jack, uh, is was a 2013 Seamus Award finalist. Christopher Lynch, Ken Osmond, welcome to the program today. Hey, Jim, how you doing? How's it going? We are doing well. We're doing well. Um, Ken and Christopher, why did you decide to write the book? Uh, actually, it was Chris's idea. Uh, I never thought there was anything there that would warrant a biography, and uh, Chris contacted me and got together and convinced me that uh, that it was something to be read, uh, and we just started working on it. Yeah, what, what happened, Jim, was uh, in April of 2013, Frank Bank, who played Lumpy on the TV show, uh, he passed away, and I noticed that it trended for several days on Yahoo, and I, I looked into it a little bit further, and I saw that Frank had written a biography, and that... Jerry had written a biography, but Ken hadn't. And, and just based upon the fact that so many people seem to be interested in Frank Banks' passing made me realize there was still a lot of interest in this show that has been, uh, had the, you know, the original series ended almost uh, or over 50 years ago. So I thought there's, there's still some interest. And so, and I think of, of any character on the show, you know, you can't top Eddie Haskell, who is still a, a household word with some of yeah. us to this day. Yeah, somebody says you're a Eddie Haskell, you smile, <laughs> Eddie smiles to your face, and maybe uh, behind your back isn't smiling so much. I, uh, I became an adjective. <laughs> <laughs> and not many people can say that, by the way. Now, uh, yeah. now... um Ken, uh, and I'll mention this, since you mentioned Frank Bank, uh, I was doing some pre-show research, and I realized and, and found out that, uh, was he your accountant at one time? Well, not an accountant per se. He had, he had a degree from UCLA in finance, and he became a uh, financial advisor and a uh, municipal and bond stock bro uh, broker, and was very successful at it, did very well. Yeah. I, I had a couple of accounts with him. So did Barbara, and I think uh, Jerry did. Tony? Uh, huh. he, he's, he's done very well by us. 
Well, that's and that's that's interesting because you know you you, I think people think and I think this. You know, it's, uh, there's two things: either people think you're absolute best friends with the people you lure on the shows on, or they assume you never have contact again. And to have that kind of contact, and he had a great name for a guy who was in uh, investments, Frank Bank, uh, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. Well, I think it's funny because he, his character was big, dumb, lumpy. You know. Uh, and he was far from dumb. He was a sharp guy. Well, that, I think we should say something about that real quick. From everything I've been able to gather, and I've talked to other actors who have been in big shows and and uh, had very specific uh, characters. I think of Ralph Mouth from uh, from Happy Days, uh, Don Most. Uh, I spoke to him, and I, I've spoken to some other characters, uh, uh, some other actors, Allison Angram from Little House on the Prairie, and we talk about typecasting. And I think people, especially a show that, uh, you know, of course I'm in my forties, I picked it up on repeats, but, uh, the show that's so indelibly marked into people's mind, you become that character to them. I mean, I'm sure throughout your life, not only professionally, but personally people have said, well, can I really believe what this guy's saying? Because he might be pulling in Eddie Haskell on me. <laughs> I don't think that's so bad in my case. I've, I've, Eddie has been awfully good to me. He really has. Now, one of the the things you'll find, too, Jim, is that uh, in the book, uh, I quote both Tony and Jerry, who are really the only surviving cast members, and they will both tell you uh, without a doubt, unequivocally, that Ken was the best actor on the program because he's absolutely nothing like his character. (laughs) They actually felt that all they were doing was pretty much playing themselves. You know, Tony was a jock. It was just a little kid. They didn't feel they were doing any acting, but they saw how Ken was so humble and had an incredible work ethic, everything that is opposite of the Eddie character. And so that's why they say uh, he is the best actor that was on that program. Wow. That's that's high praise. And I think, and I talked to Don most about this, I think in some ways when an actor is typecast, he's almost being penalized for doing a really good job. Well, yeah, you are penalized, but you know something over the years, and at first when we went into syndication and I was, uh, in fact, uh, typecast, uh, it was a very bad thing. But looking back now in the long run, uh, like I say, Eddie has been so good to me. He has opened doors, and I've gone places and met special people and seen things, and uh, it's just been incredible. I, I met Ronald Reagan when he was the setting president, That's and I had a personal tour of the White House. Only Eddie got me there. That's great. Now, uh, let's talk about the production of the show uh, at the time. Um, a- again, the show has never been off the air. It's constantly in repeats one place or the other. Uh, I grew up kind of like at the very dawn of a cable age, so it wasn't so much on cable, but the local stations would repeat it. And it was new to me, and it's new to generations today. Uh, did you have any sense uh, that this show was going to be such a cultural icon when you were doing I mean, I realize you were very young, but did you have a sense this is going to be around for, for a long time? It was never even a thought. I mean, it was just another television show at the time. Uh, very strange, because today I can't believe the notoriety and the uh, longevity that the show is... is uh, scene. It's just incredible. I think one of the reasons for it, Jim, is if you 
it was one of the first kid-centric shows. Other than Dennis the Menace, you know, the other shows like Father Knows Best, Ozzy and Harriet, the Donna Reed Show, even their, their titles of the show were right. based upon an adult. But this was looking at the world through the eyes of a kid, and that's where Mosier and Connolly actually drew from experiences from their own kids for the, uh, the shows, uh, the subjects of the shows. Now, um, in terms of, uh, in, in terms of, uh, the, the program, what was the set like? What was it like working on it? Mm, I, in what respect? I don't really understand the question. It, it was, I mean, uh, was it was it a you know was it familial? Was it happy? Uh, what was well, it like? We, working? we were a family, not just the cast, but the crew members. Uh, Joe Connolly and Bob Mosier, who created the show, were geniuses, and when they put this family together, uh, everybody was uh, above board. We. We played with the uh, with the crew members. We played ball with them, and we played practical jokes with them. Uh, it was a family, and and we stayed that way long after the show went into syndication. Uh, I I was in touch with all the uh, cast members until they passed away. I'm still in touch with Jerry and Tony. I, I see them quite often. I always wonder about the dynamic between uh, TV parents and, and and their kids. And certainly in the family, you weren't the, the, the son of Hugh Beaumont and Barbara Billingsley, who uh, played uh, uh, Warden June uh, Cleaver. But uh, but they were kind of the, the parent figures for this series. I mean, tell us a little bit about those two, Hugh Beaumont passing in the early 80s and Barbara Billingsley uh, passing a few years back. Tell us about about the, the mom and dad of the Leave it to Beaver family. Well, like I say, we were a family. And when, when Hugh died, and I'll tell you a little uh, interesting story about that in a moment. But when Hugh died, it was devastating. It was, uh, we, we went to service at his son's house out in West Valley. And it was uh, a very personal thing. I mean, uh, no need, but uh, an interesting story is that they had uh, come up with the idea of doing this uh, movie of the week, the uh, Leave it to Beaver movie of the week for CBS. And they went around to the cast members and said, uh, would you like to do this? And we all agreed, except for Hugh. He would had a number of strokes and was not in good condition. And so he declined. And they put the show together, and Hugh passed away on the day that the script was finally finished. Uh, hmm. Hmm. What a coincidence, I guess. Oh, yeah, just coincidence. But, yeah, and, and Barbara, uh, Frank and I, uh, Lumpy and me, uh, we're at her house like two weeks before she passed. We were, we were down there quite a bit. Uh, she was just an absolute sweetheart. One thing you've got to love about her career is when, you know, you didn't hear a lot about her for years. And then she came back in, I think it was 1980 and did airplane and played. Yeah. If, if oh, nobody yeah. remembers that scene, it's the older woman who speaks jive. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, she, she, she says or said that uh, she got 23 seconds 
of airtime, and she's had more feedback from that than anything she ever did. <laughs> it was just hilarious. I mean, I don't, I don't know that you could do that today, uh, but uh, <laughs> that seemed today. But I just thought it was very, very, very funny, and I think everybody else that that saw it did as well because uh, it was just, um, just very well done and showed that she was she was quite the actress. Now, um, the the one of the interesting things about you, your story, uh, Ken, is that. You did some acting after Leave It to Beaver, I think, immediately after. But then you went uh, into a life of law enforcement, joining the Los Angeles Police Department. Now, that seems like, uh, you know, how do you get from Eddie Haskell to a police officer? Uh, how and why did that happen? Well, uh, I had tried a number of things in between Beaver and the police department. Uh, among them, I was a helicopter pilot for a while, and, uh, devastating financially. Uh, in 1969, I uh, got married, and I had bought a house prior to that, and so now I had a house payment and a wife, and I didn't have a job, uh, and I needed one. And city of Los Angeles said, hey, we'll give you a paycheck, and I said, great, and there it was. But, but he had to uh, gain some weight to make the original weight. There's a funny story to that. You want to you wanna tell her or we want to make him buy the book, Ken? Nah, I'll <laughs> tell him part of it. Okay. Back then, there was a uh, weight requirement and height requirement and everything. Today, there's not. But I had to, uh, I was like five pounds or so uh, under the minimum weight. And what I went through to gain those five pounds uh, was quite a story. I was, I was literally, I was sick every night from overeating. Uh, but I passed. I, I had three pounds to spare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, now I've got to ask you this, uh, and it could have been while well, on just a routine call, or you could have been dealing with a per potential perpetrator. Did anybody ever like you, you pull them over or whatever happened, happened, and they kind of look at you and say, aren't, you Eddie Haskell? Uh, very rarely, uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, one is that when when you are talking to a policeman, you don't see the policeman. You see a badge and a gun yeah. and a leather jacket, and you know you don't see the policeman. That and the areas that I worked, uh, well, mostly is a hundred percent illegal aliens and they hadn't even seen a TV in their entire life until two weeks ago. <laughs> ah, I see. I see. Well, that, that makes sense. It did happen occasionally. I, I'd get, uh, maybe a drunk driver into the uh, jail and I'd get rid of my helmet and my leather jacket and everything. And, uh, once in a while I would say, Hey, aren't you? And, uh, yeah. Okay, you still go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're a fan. You're hey, under arrest. <laughs> hey, hey, Jim, on that, too, one of the most interesting things, uh, or one of the many interesting things I uncovered uh, writing this book with Ken was that at one point when Ken was going through the academy, he was actually considered for doing undercover work. Oh, really? Tell and us about then that. he was outed. Maybe Ken can elaborate a little bit on that. Oh, uh, yeah, because uh, nobody would ever suspect that Eddie Haskell was a policeman. So uh, that particular part of the department came to me and pulled me out of class and said, would you like to go undercover? And I said, yeah, I think so. And 
they said, well, we'll pull you out of, out of classes now, and you just, as far as uh, the academy is concerned, you just disappear. And so uh, about a week after that, there was a uh, reporter uh, for the, what was it, the Valley News and Green Sheet. They put out the story, any assholes from the police academy? And so uh, after that came out, uh, that killed the whole kibosh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would have been that would have been a different career, an interesting career. Now I know that this is pretty well documented. You were actually shot while on duty. Tell us, uh, tell us about that because that's pretty frightening. Going from a Hollywood set to you know possibly losing your life in the line of duty. Well, uh, it's uh, it was pretty hair raising. I'll tell you, it was a a stolen car that was a pursuit and uh, a crash and, and then a foot pursuit and. Uh, the guy had a gun, and uh, when I chased him around a corner, he blew me out of my socks. I was hitting the upper chest and the lower chest and the lower abdomen. Uh, and my partner, who I love more than life, saved my ass. <laughs> and um, and uh, uh, eventually you stepped away from that. And the thing that's interesting to me about your career is you stepped away, but then subsequently you were in the TV movie and you were in a, a series. I don't think, uh, because I mean, certainly um, it was popular. It lasted, I think five years, the new leave it to beaver, but you were in a whole new series. What was it like after being a policeman for so long and, and stepping back behind uh, or in front of the camera uh, to portray Eddie again? What was that like? It was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> a little easier. <laughs> The industry was uh, so much more interesting as an adult because I was old enough to understand what was going on around me, and I appreciated it more. And it, it was wonderful. Um, what about we talk about the 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 why the the show did so well, and and Christopher said you know because it was from the kids' point of view. But why specifically do you think Eddie was such a hit? Uh, I could only speculate, but I, I think it's because, A, everybody knows Eddie. There, there, you, when you were growing up, there was one on your block, right? Absolutely. Of course, and maybe it was you. <laughs> no, I didn't think so, but maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he's a very common character. <laughs> Christopher, do you have any thoughts on it? Pardon me? Uh, do you have any thoughts on why the character of Eddie Haskell has uh, been so indelible in, in people's minds? Oh, I think, uh, you know, to just kind of echo what Ken said, I think everybody in their life knows an Eddie. I actually knew two of them. And uh, they were the ones that your, your mom warned you about. And, I mean, and it, was a, it was a perfect foil for, for the clean-cut Jerry and Tony and you think about it, how interesting would the show have been if it was if there was no Eddie Haskell? Yeah, I don't think needed. it would have. Yeah. And from what I understand from uh, Brian Levant, who was the producer and directed a lot of the second series, he said if there if there wouldn't have been an Eddie Haskell, that the series never would have got off the ground. They wouldn't have got it greenlighted because yeah. Eddie was such an important uh, component of the dynamic of the show. I'll pay you later, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, now here's a, here's a question I've asked almost everybody who's come on the show, who is a, a, been a child actor. You know, we hear all of these, um, 
cases of child actors gone astray. Uh, people who, you know, they met with a lot of fame, a lot of success in their childhood years, and then they go off into drugs. Uh, you know, they never have the popularity. They're kind of empty because they're, they're seeking that approval and they can't find it anymore. Uh, why do you think, well, it's interesting because I mean, the, the, the top three characters, I, I think that all of them have uh, had productive lives and, and not fallen into a lot of those traps. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask you about yourself. Why do you think that you were kind of immune to these troubles other child actors had? Um, I, again, I could only speculate, but, uh, that's one thing that, uh, Jerry and Tony and myself, uh, are very proud of. In all of the years since Beaver, you've never read one media article that was negative about anybody on the show. Right. I attribute it to to Joe Connolly and Bob Moser, the creators who carefully handpicked cast and crew of the original show. They just uh, they had some sort of uh, insight, some sort of uh, power that I don't understand, but. They just got nice people together. Oh boy, that's a compliment to myself, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and to, go ahead. To add off, build on that, Jim. Uh, one of the things Tony mentioned uh, at an event we did was that uh, they ran it so clean cut that there was one time where a cameraman or somebody, some some crew member, he said he did something. He said, "Damn it!" And that guy was gone. Wow. There was none of, none of that going on. And what's really interesting is that uh, because of the fact that it was just like a family and there was no set divas, there was no scandals, there was nothing like that. And I was speaking to a friend of mine while I was in the process of writing the book, and he told me, he said, well, he goes, that's going to be pretty dull. He said, you know, people want to read all about scandal and so forth. And first of all, I wouldn't do a scandalous book. Uh, but second of all, I disagreed with him. I said, you know, I think that this book is going to be refreshing because I think people are sick of reading about scandal and they really want to read about a simpler, more innocent time. And that's exactly what it was. Now, that's not to say that you didn't have to deal with some crazy rumors. There was some there were some crazy rumors out there about uh, uh, Eddie Haskell's uh, career path. Uh, I'll let you tell people these uh, these these rumors that came about uh, because they they were pretty wild. Uh, actually, our show was plagued with a number of rumors. One of which was that I I married Barbara Billingsley, uh, and I would in a heartbeat. I loved her. She was a sweetheart. She just wouldn't have me. Uh, yes. Uh, well, for instance, I, I did uh, porno flicks. Uh, I was uh, Alice Cooper. Uh, yeah, there were uh, lots of just crazy things. Yeah, you, know, you can you can hear that about anybody that's yeah. in the media whatsoever. Yeah, and wasn't there a rumor that Jerry Mathers had been killed in Vietnam? I think was one. Oh of the yeah, rumors. that was a big one. As a matter of fact, uh, that back in that era. Uh, I was at Jerry's house one time, and he had his obituary hanging in his living room. Oh my lord! Oh my lord! Yeah, no, yeah. but none of those things oh, just a, none of those things are true. By the way, let's just uh, just let's make sure oh, clear I, people I, are. I clear. go through them, uh, several of them, uh, very carefully in the book, and explain how they came about and and what was done about them. Uh, and they're, they're still going on somewhat. They're 
not nearly as prolific now, but uh, I still hear them from time to time. Now, there are some people out there who say, well, leave it to Beaver. You know, it was a whitewash. It was like, this is what the family's really like. It wasn't realistic. You know, it was with the Eisenhower years. And, you know, it, it showed this perfect existence. And uh, and really, in, in that way, it was... Uh, some people paint it negatively. I, I tend to disagree. I think it's very charming. I think it has a lot of lessons. I think it's a great show that stood the test of time. But there are critics like that out there. What would you say to those critics? Uh, Jim, when, when you've had a really hard day, uh, and you go home and you kick off your shoes and put your feet up, you want an escape, and you turn on the TV. Mm-hmm. Mayfield is a great place to escape to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got a point there, and I, I think people have to look at it for what it is and enjoy it for what it is, and it certainly has made a great pa- impact over these, well, it's going on, what, uh, almost 60 years now. We're getting close. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just with, and that's amazing to me that something that you created starting, I think, in 1957 is still and still has an impact today. Um, uh, we love stories on these shows. Uh, maybe, and, and after this, certainly we'll, uh, we'll give you, um, we'll give you opportunity to, to share where the book can be found and so forth. But what's one of your favorite anecdotes uh, from Leave It to Beaver? It could be something happened during the production of the show. It could be something that happened uh, years afterwards. <laughs> And, and, uh, the reason Chris is laughing is because people often ask me this. And it was just uh, nothing special in my mind that stands out because every day, now to me, it was a job. I went there, I did my job as best as, that I could, and then, you know, I clocked out and I went home. But uh, there's the uh, baseball windshield story. Oh, yeah, there's a couple of stories, and, and they're in the book, too. We, uh, we were kids. We played out uh, when we weren't actually on the set, uh, and we played, among other things, baseball. And one time, uh, was it, I think it was me that actually hit the ball. Well, that would work, yeah. yeah. All right, let's say it was you and, hit this ball. And it crashed into the windshield of Steve McQueen's car. Oh. <laughs> and broke it. <laughs> and and being kids, they just ran. Yeah, boogies, of course. <laughs> but that's well, that a little bit. <laughs> and and then, then they went back and, and you wrote them a note, right? Yeah, we did uh, go back and leave a note on. And you know something? He was a gentleman about it. He said, just don't worry about it, guys. Wow. Uh, See, nice I would guy. think I would have been afraid of Steve McQueen. I would have thought, oh boy, we did it now. <laughs> But hey, we were kids. We were afraid of everything. <laughs> well, uh, this this has been a delight. Uh, before we go to to where people can find books, I know there have been several revivals or anything like that. Do you do you see like anything, any possibilities of anything like that, or do you think that Leave It to Beaver uh, has uh, you know maybe maybe shot its last new uh, project, or do you think there ever could be something in the offing? Well, there's, there's nothing on paper at this point, but I I, I see. Jerry and Tony occasionally, and uh, Brian Levant, the, the uh, man that produced and created the uh, the new show. I see him occasionally. Uh, my son, who is my older son, who is an editor, uh, works with Brian once in a while, and uh, that's kind of fun. 
Uh, I don't see anything in the works now. However, we do get together and, and uh, see each other at different events. Uh, let's see, Christmas, we were in a, a Christmas parade. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I see them occasionally at different times. I don't see anything in the works uh, professionally to, uh, you know, a new show or anything. No, I don't think so. Well, it, it certainly, regardless, uh, has made a great contribution, is continuing to do so. That's really, you know, that's it's almost like building a great bridge or some great building or something. It keeps contributing generation after generation. And Ken and Christopher, if people want to find out more about Ken and check out the, the book and so forth, where would you direct them? Go to Amazon.com and just look up Eddie the Life and Times of America's Preeminent Bad Boy. Or, or just push, punch in my name. Yeah. You go to Amazon, and they'll have a little box up there saying search, and put Ken Osmond up there. Right. That's, it will come up. That's exactly how up. I found it. <laughs> uh, that will come up with not only uh, the biography, but also the other book that Ken wrote, which is called Above and Beyond, which is a uh, tribute to un unsung uh, military heroes of our country and Jim, other countries. Jim, I'm, I'm a flag waver. I, I love this country, and uh, uh, I'm active in the American Legion. I serve my country in uniform, and that's all in the book, too. But uh, I wrote a book, uh, just people that you've never heard about uh, that need recognition. Uh, it's called Above and Beyond. It's on the same webpage uh, on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it right here, and uh, I it is to be commended. You're to be commended for writing it, and certainly commended. Uh, the people who are those real heroes should be commended as well. And uh, Christopher, thank you, and Ken, thank you for the your service as Eddie Haskell, your service to the country, and also to your community as a law enforcement uh, officer. It was a pleasure to speak with both of you today. Thank you, Jim, and thank you for tuning in to TV you grew up with. I told you we were going to talk to some legends and icons, and certainly Ken Osmond and Eddie Haskell fall into that category. We thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you next time, and as always, stay tuned. Bye-bye, everyone.